And let's pray. God, I thank you for great people. I thank you for this great community called The Rock, Lord, that has been going now for about 24, 25 years. We've done so many great things, Lord, in our past, but Father, we're looking forward to our future with you. And so, Lord, tonight I pray you would speak through me. I pray as I speak, Lord, you would, you would, you would speak another sound as well and that we would hear um, things for ourselves that we need to put in place or just be encouraged by or just sit and meditate on. So, Lord, I thank you for your presence that's with us. I thank you that we carry your presence on the inside of us. And, Lord, our heart and passion here is to see your kingdom come through us as your church. Lord, whoever we are, whatever we are, whatever intellectual ability we have or do not have, whatever gifts have we do not have, Lord, we have you. And within you, God, we can do all things through you that strengthens us. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray tonight that as, as, as we share as a family, as a community, and dialogue and pray together at the end of the session, I pray you would reveal more of your Son, more of your purpose, more of your passion, more of your plan for us as individuals and as a community called The Rock. And so we lift this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, well, I want to just start with um, some questions, really. And they are, who are we and where are we going? Who are we and where are we going? It's very important that you understand who you are as an individual, who we are as a community, and where this community is going. And it's the very questions that we ask when we do Partners of the Vision And so when people are considering joining our family, joining our community, they need to know those things because you don't join something where you don't know where it's going and what it reflects and its values. And Just a quick question. How many of us have ever caught a bus in our lifetime? Just one bus. (laughs) How many have driven buses? (laughs) What's the main thing you need to know when you catch a bus? What does he say? <laughs> if it's going to be late and what time it's leaving. <laughs> we need to know where we're going, don't we? So where's this bus going? What's the destination of this bus? It's very important that we understand what the destination of this bus is. Are we on the right bus? Is it going where I want it to be, where I think I should be connecting to, where I need it to be going? And I remember when I was in England and uh, I was in, anyone been to Wandsworth? in London, down south mate, down south, south London and uh, I was waiting for this bus and um, big double decker red bus and it turned up and doors opened and I said yeah it's going where I need it to go, it's good, got on the bus and the bus was chock, it was full and we've been going about I don't know 30 seconds, one minute and all of a sudden you hear this bang, bang bang, bang, bang what's that? Bang, 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 bang. So I turn around and there's this guy at the back of the bus headbutting the chair in front of us. <laughs> well, you can imagine everybody started to go <laughs> and start moving towards the front of the bus. The next, the bus stops, the next stop, everybody piles out. I'm one of the last ones, you know. And I look up, and this guy's still headbutting the back of the bus. And I look at the poor driver, and he's like. <laughs> he probably was a little supporter. And, uh, but unfortunately, he was protected by, you know, the screen. But, you know, I don't know what bus he was on, I don't know where he was going. The poor guy, he obviously had some issues. 
But um, we needed, you know, everyone piled off that bus, but we need to know what bus we're on and where we're going if we're going to have the impact that God wants us to have. And um, so who are we and where are we going? And, and November, beginning of November last year, um, the staff and I, we sort of got together with Dave and we started asking these questions. What, what does God want us to focus on as a community uh, as we go forward, not only in 2011, but 2012, 2013, 14, what's going to be our focus and what's going to underpin who we are and uh, what we are about. And then in December, some of you might remember, you might not, but we got together as an eldership and we sort of started discussing this process as an eldership and we started discussing those same things. And tonight I want to share uh, those things with us. Uh, But before I get into these five core elements that are going to underpin um, who we are and where we're going, um, there's just three things I want to share before that in relation to purpose, passion and plan. Because really if we don't have those three things down, we can have all these great strategic plans, we can have all these great diagrams and all this information, but if we don't have passion, if we don't have purpose, and we don't realise that we are the plan, then they can just stay on a page and they can just stay like this and nothing ever actually eventuates and becomes reality. And Habakkuk, that's a mouthful, eh? Habakkuk 2.2 says this, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. Record the vision. Where? In your heart. Get it in your heart. Get it into you. Breathe it. Live it. Allow it to enter your blood source, your bloodstream, and pump it through your body. Record it. Capture it. Inscribe it on tablets. You know, there's something about writing something down that is powerful. It's something about when you speak something out that has power, doesn't it? When you write it down, it becomes a reality, not just an idea in someone's head. Write it, inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. And so something that someone can read and be inspired by, because really the, the word vision, it's a prophetic vision, it's about sight. It's about being able to see something that produces a passion in someone. That's what vision is. It's prophetic, it's prophetic sight. It's a picture of the future that produces passion in people. Are we passionate tonight? Are we passionate about what God has for us as an individual and what he has for us as a family called The Rock? And so what is, what is our vision? What is our prophetic picture for this community that we need to write down, that we need to own, that we need to allow it to invade our space, we need to embrace it with everything we have, we need it to be part of who we are, not what we do but who we are, that others can actually read it and then people can run with it. And you know, our current vision statement is transforming lives by giving ourselves away, but I really want to articulate those words in another way tonight to help us gain a greater picture of really what that means. And I've just been thinking about maybe, and, and I'll put this out there as leaders, and, and, uh, and just thinking, well, maybe those words need to be redefined as we go forward because we are changing, as Cindy said, the people you were and not who you are today, and who you are today and not who you're becoming. And I just want to give you these words because I think this will just help us maybe understand. And really, words are just words if they're not brought to life. And so you can have plaques and fancy mission statements and all those things, but if they're not living in you, then they're just words. They really mean nothing. They're just words on a page. But have a listen to these words. This is 
the statement that I was thinking about is to equip and empower God's people, which is you and me, to know Him and make Him known. Is it our heart as a leadership, as a, as a, as a team of leaders, is to equip and empower everyone that calls this place their home to know God, not just know about Him, but to know Him personally. You know, we throw this statement, the truth, you know, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. We throw that round really like lolly water. But if you stop and think about it, if you know truth, then it will set you free. There's a difference between knowing about truth and actually knowing it. Knowing a truth that sets you free. And Jesus said, I am truth. So if you know the Christ at an intimate level, that word know is intimacy, you know him intimately, then there will be a, 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 a relationship, a process where you are discovering more and more and more and more truth. You'll be coming free through knowing him. And then to go and make him known. Bible says it this way, you know, love God with all your heart, all your soul, your, your, your mind, your strength. First commandment. Second commandment is what? Love someone else like you love yourself. And then the Great Commission is go into all the world. So you can phrase it in different passages, but really this is what, as we go forward and what we're going to talk about, how are we going to do that? What are the, what are the things that underpin this statement? Because whether we know it or not, we are God's solution for this world. <laughs> I mean, it's a scary concept, isn't it, a little bit? Because I know me, I know my faults, I know everything, and Danny knows my faults, and you know. But the God in me is an amazing thing. And he says, "You're my plan. It's you. You're the plan. It's not written on a board. It's you. You're what I created to bring my kingdom to earth through you." And we really need to grapple with that, I think, as the church, and understand that. That not just go, yeah, that's a nice concept, but that's my reality. That God actually wants to take little old Greg Simner or Sandra, whoever, and actually birth his kingdom through, his reality through to a lost world, to heal a lost world. That's quite phenomenal. And God has entrusted us. The Bible says that he has entrusted us, he's committed to us this ministry called reconciling people back to himself. It's not an option. We like to think it is. We like to put it in the box and just sort of somehow just put it out of there and it goes, well, as long as I just, you know, I'm in this realm. No, no, it's not an option. It's a must. It's a commandment that God gives us. I'm committing to you this ministry of reconciling people from here back to me through you. Now, I do that and I draw that, but you're an integral part of the process, yes? And so we want to tackle with that. What does that mean? Because, you know, in Matthew 10, Jesus says these words to his disciples. He says, as you go, preach. So as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. And we've talked about this on Sundays, repent. Change the way you think. It starts there, doesn't it? Change the way you think, because... We have patterns of an old world, of an old mind that need to be redefined, that need to change. Change the way you think because my kingdom just arrived with me. It's now. It's here. I want it to come through you. Can you think like that? Can you actually perceive that reality? And do you have faith to believe that? Because that's the challenge. 
we looked at this at staff meeting during the week and we, we took a passage of scripture where Jesus says, if you do not doubt, then you can say to this mountain, be moved. And doubt robs the church. Unbelief robs the church. And it says in James that a man or a woman of double-mindedness does not receive. So we have to have absolute faith, absolute belief in him. And when he says this, he's saying this to us. He's saying this to me and you. Preach. How are they going to know if we don't preach? How are they going to know if someone doesn't open their mouth? And as we heard the other week when we had the last one, I loved what Kevin said. He said, you know, some things you model, some things you have to preach. You can't model the cross. You've got to preach the cross. And some things we model, some things we have to preach. He says, preach because the kingdom's at hand. He says, heal the sick. Can you sense the authority that he's giving his disciples? Go and heal them. I pray, heal them. Walk in the authority of who you are as a follower, as a son or a daughter of mine. Raise the dead. <laughs> Isn't it awesome? It's a statement I heard when I was away at the weekend. A young man, he's about 26, who raised someone, I think I shared it on Sunday, he raised someone, the, the interpreter, from the dead. Someone from Hastings. Good on Hastings, the Hawks Bay, eh, Mike? People of faith from the Hawks Bay. <laughs> Cleanse the lepers. He goes on, cast out demons. This is what we are about. And I guess what I'm asking you is, can you see this picture? Can you see it by faith? Can you see yourself being like a disciple? Because we're going to build and we are building a community of people that can do these things. Because guys, I'll be honest with you, I'm not interested in just personally leading institutionalised, organised religion that some call the church. I'm not interested in that. What I'm passionate and what I'm sold out for is seeing myself and everyone else that I lead come into the fullness of who you are in God. An organic, living, breathing relationship that flows from being innate, from the inside out, not about ticking boxes, not even about turning out for services, although we, you know, we are to come to services because we get fed, but that's not the point. We long to be here, we long to be together because we want to grow together. But I'm not, I'm not here. You know, that's what it's about. I'm quitting because I'm not, I, I, I can, I've, it's got to be real, it's got to be organic and it's got to flow from that. It can never be about programs because programs won't change the world. It's me and you with God living on the inside of us and it's natural and it's organic. And we need to change the way we think so we can function like this and fulfil the mandate that he has. And so I want to talk about purpose before I get onto these five elements, passion and plan. Because I really believe if we don't have these embedded in us, if we don't understand these things, then it's going to be very hard for us to flow in this organic order that Christ so longed for us to flow in. That it's who you are, not what you do. And I've said this before, but you do not do church, you are it. You do not come to it, you are it. And you are, are, you are it 24-7. Okay? And so we must flow from that thing. And so... What are these things? Because it's our devotion to Christ and our love for Him and our passion for Him that is to flow from our devotion, our pure devotion of the love that He has for us and we have for Him is what outworks from us. And we're going to look at a powerful story about a nobody. A nobody who her name isn't even mentioned. The Bible doesn't even mention who she is. She's just a woman. She's insignificant. She's insignificant in the eyes of the world. 
maybe even the eyes of the religious system, she's insignificant. She doesn't even get her name mentioned, but at the end of her deed of what she did because of purpose and passion, and she understood she was the plan, the Bible mentions her and it says, throughout, every time this gospel is preached, this woman, what she did, will be mentioned in this incredible book. Yet she did not have a name. She did not have purpose. She did not have the things that so many of us want. You know, we want this title or we, we, we go after this thing or we have to have this thing down pat. Give me the four step rule to finding how I follow. It's got to come from revelation. It's got to come by the Spirit. It's got to be natural. She understood something and she just operated. She didn't wait for someone to say you can do that. She didn't wait to be told from a, a leader above that she could love Christ and pour out. She just acted. Why? Because of passion, purpose and she understood she was the plan. She was what God had. She was who, where she was. The Bible says she was a sinner. Don't you love sinners? <laughs> I love being part of them, with them. I am one. And God used us. So, purpose. Purpose. Why, 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 why? Why are you a follower of Christ? Why are you here tonight? Why do you bother coming week in, week out? Why do you bother serving? What's the motivation for why you do what you do? Is it out of fear? Is it out of guilt? Is it out of having to? Because I'm supposed to? Why did God send His Son Christ to die on a cross for me and you? What motivated that? What motivates us to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters? What Bible says, you know, lose your life, find it. What's the motivator behind that process? What's the motivation behind reaching out to someone that doesn't know Jesus, our neighbours, our community? What's living on the inside of us? What's the purpose that we do the things that we do. I know for me it's love. First and foremost, it's love. I encountered the love of Christ 13 years ago, which just spun me around. And I know it's a process of revelation. I want to keep encouraging you to, you know, I don't, I don't know how wide, how deep, how high that love is. I received a good dose of it 13 years ago, and I want to encourage you to seek more. Seek more for yourself because when that love starts to grow, when that depth, when that width, when that breadth starts to encounter you, you change. The motivating factor to lay your life down comes from within. The why is because of Him. Because of you, God, I lay my life down. Because of you, God, I serve. It actually enables you to go through the hard stuff. It enables you to be challenged in ways and, 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 and you know, just have different things about your set or whatever that looks like will just push through and push through until you break through the ground that God's trying to get you to. It's the very thing that enables you when all you know, you're feeling scared to go knock on a door and say hi to someone you don't know and invite them to something or to share the gospel with them out in the street or to get part of with Tim and his Friday night team down there. Why? Because of love. I'm compelled, Paul said. I'm compelled. I have to go. And see, when you have that, it, it, things just start to flow from you. 
it becomes innate. It's not something you try and figure out, you just know it. It just starts, it has to, it has to work itself out. And the second reason, the first reason of love is because God says, I want to partner with you to see my glory unfold, my dominion, my domain come, my reality come. And he invites us to be part of it with him, motivated through love. He says, I've invited you to this incredible privilege. You know, I love, I was having a conversation with a guy today and he said, we're talking about, he brought it up, we're talking about tithing. He says, you know, most people don't understand the fact that, he says, I get to tithe. What an honour. So many people think it's, you know, it's like, I've got to give. He says, I get to. It's an honour that we get to partake in this thing called the kingdom of God with him to be used in a way like we looked at in Matthew where we could lay hands on someone and in the name of Christ see them raised from the dead. To see their eyes form back. To see just emotional and, and stuff, you know, chains broken. It's an honour and a privilege to be part and he invites us to be part of it. That's huge. Second thing is passion. First is purpose. Why, why, why? The second thing is we've got to have passion. We have to have desire and a growing desire. Listen to Acts 20, 22, 24. I said it before. And now, compelled by the Spirit. I mean, that is a powerful word, isn't it? Paul is compelled. He's convicted. He's got this conviction. There's nothing like a biblical conviction, is there? to enable you to push through and smash open hard rock and areas that God's trying to take through. When you carry, when you are compelled, he says, I'm compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Then he says this incredible word, however, life is going to (laughs) suck and I've got to go there because I cannot go there because I understand the why, I've got this purpose for why I was born and now I'm compelled and this desire in me that's consuming every part of me, that's coming out of me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. It's rubbish, it's garbage. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. He understood he was the plan. He understood, I'm the plan. It's outworking through me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. We've all got that. Testifying the goodness of God's grace. The ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.18 Paul says, see Paul is an example for us as the church. He says, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. He's a prophetic picture of what we are to be. That's powerful. It's scary. It's risky. See, I think if life is boring as a Christian, we need to check the distance between us and Christ. Because he was pretty awesome, wasn't he? He was confronted by some heavy stuff. He got to do some incredible things. And he got to speak forth and see life. It's exciting. 
But you can't teach people to be passionate. I can't teach you to be passionate. I was thinking, you know, if I could give you one of my pills, fish oil pills for my arthritic knees, and this contained the thing that would make us all more passionate, wouldn't it be awesome? I went and saw a movie actually on the weekend, sort of similar sort of thing. I was up in Auckland. But wouldn't it be neat if you could just take a pill and you could become more passionate, have more purpose, but it doesn't work that way, does it? Be a good pill, okay? (laughs) It's a desire. (laughs) Give me some grace. (laughs) Do you have to teach men to be passionate about the All Blacks? Why are they passionate about the All Blacks? Because they're in love with rugby, yeah? They get up, I did, I was passionate about Liverpool, got up at 4 o'clock in the morning for three years and travelled from the, from the terrace to Mark Thomas's place out of Stokes Valley, went back, had an hour's sleep and went to work. Did that for three years when they were on the telly. Why? Because I had this passion that was inside and it was coming out and it acted out. It was out of balance. But I want to be out of balance for Christ. I want to be out of balance for Him. In every area of my life, internally, externally. You know, when the All Blacks lost to France. <laughs> don't go there. They're going to win the World Cup this year. But when they lost to France, man, I tell you, we, it was, I don't know if you were here, but it was a waste of time having a service. It was so depressive. It was only half full. It was like, Why? Because they were passionate that their team just got beat. Now, England beat Australia. I was pretty pumped that morning. (laughs) But here's the thing. See, if we don't... Our passion is related to our purpose. If we don't know the why, then we will always struggle for the passion. Fall in love with them. Tell you, he's, I said on Sunday he's the most exciting person I've ever met. He's the most loving, incredible, merciful, compassionate person I've ever met. Who holds you so gently at times, you know, you just feel his presence go, come on son, let's keep going. I've never sensed the, the anger. I don't, you know, he's, just, he's just this all-complesive, unfathomable person who just says, come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's make a difference. You can. You can. You can. With me in you, you can. He's awesome. And the third thing is plan. Now this is where I'm possibly going to confuse some people. I've just been sort of throwing it out there. But I believe that we are the plan. It's us. Too many people wait for someone else to create a vehicle for them to get on. We've got to create our own vehicles. We've got to get out there because it's us. We are the plan. Because what happens if someone doesn't create a vehicle, then we don't do anything. And you know what? Lost people and our fellow brothers and sisters pass us every minute of the day. And this very thing, we see people around us, but we wait because we think that it's not about us being the plan. It's some sort of plan that we put out on the board. And so we actually miss our opportunity. And the plan gets figured out as you go along. That's why Jesus never told the disciples where they were going. Come follow me. I've said this before. Where are we going? You don't want to know and I'm not going to tell you. How long were we there for? Don't worry about it. What's the cost? You do want to know that. You really don't want to know that. 
You see, all we really need is purpose and passion and the plan gets figured out. You think you're going to Auckland, you end up in Whangarei. And you're supposed to end up in Whangarei, but as you journey and walk, you know you're going in a general direction, but the plan outworks itself. And so what I'm going to talk about as far as five elements, there's just five sort of structures or elements that we have to be so flexible with and move, but the plan is me and you. It truly is. And when we capture the purpose and we capture greater passion, that becomes a greater reality for us. And I'll say this, the reason, I just wrote this down, I said the reason I find myself in the role I am today is not because I tried to figure out how to become a senior leader of a community of God's people. I understood and understand the why which produced the passion and I just started following Christ and allowing the plan to unfold because it's me and so far I've ended up here. I don't know where else it leads. But if, you know, so often we can be looking for titles, we can be looking for positions. If only if I get to that and we miss the basic thing of those things God wants us to do. Because we're so focused on this other thing, well, I've got this, when it's us, it's got to outwork through us, it's to be natural and organic. And you know, one of the things, and I'm going to be honest tonight, that disappointed me from the teaching survey that we did, and I heard this comment a lot, and I saw it written down, was, was some of the comments was, if you imagine, here's, let's just use Ian Eli as an example, because it, it came out of Ian Eli, but there was, and here's the rock, that there was no pathway for me to go from here to here into. I'm going, if you caught the passion, if you caught the why, you are the pathway. If you get it, you get it, you become it. It's not something where you're waiting for someone to lead you here. It's like you capture passion, you capture the purpose, you become the plan. The whole pathway is a world that needs saving. Not something else that's inside this building. It's you. And that's the challenge that we face, capturing the revelation of that. Does that make sense? I'm just going to read you a quick passage from a woman that caught it. And I just think this is a beautiful picture. And I I preached on here a couple of weeks. um, But I'm going to preach out of Mark. I preached out of Luke last time. Mark 14, 3. While he was in Bethany, Jesus, at the home of Simon the leper, and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of pure nard. And she broke the vial and poured it over his head. Once again, she wasn't named. Who was she? I don't know. Are we going to give her a name? No. It's not about giving names. It's not about giving titles. It's not about giving positions. Everyone has a place. It's not about any of that stuff. She's just responding out of love in her heart. And she's engaging in something. And this really cracks me up in verse 4. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. But some were indignant. Some of those were disciples. In fact, one of them was Judas. Isn't it funny how when you start sometimes just engaging in something that's innate and natural and being organic and, and being excessively generous. Some people don't like it. Some people are threatened by that. Why? Because it's a standard that maybe they're not at. 
oh my goodness, let's pull that down because that's too threatening to me. I don't love like that. I don't give like that. That threatens me. She's insignificant. She's no one, but she understands something. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you wish, you can do good to them. But you do not, sorry, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. Question, are we doing all we can? That's all he asks. Are we doing all we can? See, it's not about the amount that she gave. She was doing what she could. She was taking what she had in her hand and applying it wide because she understood passion, she understood purpose, she understood why, she understood she was the plan. So once again, it's not about amount, it's not about it's are we doing what we can? That can be little, that can be less. It's, God's not interested in that. He sees the heart. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. Insignificant people do incredibly significant things. Never hear about them. You know, there are thousands of Christians in this room even that have done incredibly significant things that we've never heard of. Just in their everyday life, reaching out, bringing the kingdom into other people's worlds, being generous, giving where there's a need, doing what we can out of understanding why and having that as a desire out of our heart and realising that it's me. You want to use me. Not the person beside me, but me. That's the community more and more that we're building, that I want to build, to see you guys. I'm not just an institutionalised church. But what I am interested in seeing people come alive, knowing who they are, knowing their authority, seeing them speak forth and seeing them involved in a number of different ways. Devoted. She was devoted. You know what made her so special? thinking about this and I caught, captured this what made her so special why was she recorded in the book why was she so different because the writer goes a long way to say something she's insignificant on one hand but what she did is incredibly significant and it gets written down and it says whenever this is, whenever this is preached but like we're hearing of her today She brought something to Christ. Most people just come to get. She came with an incredible offering and said, appreciation of what you have done here. But most Christians actually come to receive. Now there's nothing wrong per se with that. But do we come to bring as a first place position and priority because you know what the famous story is the leper isn't it I wonder how many people went and actually thanked Jesus for their miracle thanked them for their healing thanked them there was one man that came back out of ten and just said thanks and then took off again but this woman brings expensive perfume worth a, a year's wages and goes I want to lavish on you because I naturally understand purpose passion I am the plan 
so? How are we going to equip and empower us to know God and make Him known? The first thing is to establish our utter dependence on Christ through prayer. None of this is going to take you by storm. There are no new things under the sun. But prayer is a powerful, 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 life-giving principle that God has given us, yes? We cannot do anything without prayer. And it's our individual responsibility to pray. In fact, everything I'm really sharing tonight, first and foremost, is our own responsibility to take action in. So I'm thinking about this, if we couldn't meet on Sunday, what would happen? If we couldn't gather on a Sunday, how would we function as followers of Christ? Would we? Are we dependent on Sunday to function? And so it's all our responsibility to pray, isn't it? And then come together as a community and pray. And if you can just click through, Clay, just the next thing. And all I've done is there are more things that we've written on our, on our plan, but these are just some of the things that... Um, we're going to have and some of them we already have so mountain movers which we currently do I want to encourage everyone to come to these please can I urge you Paul said I <laughs> urge you um, to come pre-service prayer at 9 o'clock in the morning can I urge you to come to that 24-7 prayer which is kicking off we're going to have two more presence nights this year just seeking the Holy Spirit seeking God an encounter with God um, who knows there's incredible things that happened at the last one Established uh, as an eldership, we've committed to establishing periodic sessions for elders to inquire of the Lord, asking Him to reveal strongholds, sin, and areas He wants us to break through into greater freedom, blessing, provision, and the supernatural. And so we meet once a month, but we've committed to meeting outside of that month to just seek God. And we were here just a couple of weeks back and just praying and praying and asking Him to come for three or four hours. It was awesome as an eldership to be doing that. And I love these guys and I just feel so supported. Establish training to teach people how to dwell with the Holy Spirit and engage in all the gifts of the Spirit, including prayer with people, prophetic training and miracles. Fully establish inner healing deliverance, prayer ministry, including training. And there is more than this, but these are the things that have come out of our day of what are we going to do, how are we going to do it. And so this is what we want everyone to be part of and involved in. So prayer has got to be the thing. You know, prayer, supernatural is released through prayer. We were just sharing before with, with Danny and Maria just on some things, you know, and just wanting to see people come to Christ, wanting to see, my God, my good buddy, you know, it's prayer that's going to lead him. God says, unless I'm praying, God draws the person. And uh, this has been, you know, someone, you're looking at someone who, who's maybe been a bit more wide to get out and do. And God spoke to me about that last year and said, get your hands off some things and seek me more and pray more. And you'll see those things happen. The second thing is building a whole and strong family. How many know family is crucial? Now that I'm a dad, I understand it even more. Creating an environment where, where health and wholeness can come. And some of the things, once again, are just some of the things that we had the first one, Unite Camp, which was awesome. How many, how many people were there? Cool. That was just an amazing time, but we're going to have some fight and adult prophetic leader nights we started that last year which was just bringing the fight leaders and, and some 
other leaders, um, more mature leaders here and praying and eating together. Um, young adult and adult leader nights as well, prophetic nights, which is Simon's heading up. And I'd love to see intergenerational life group start. Just organically. I don't want to have to like, you know, wire it. I'm looking for this organic thing where you go, I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about young people. Or the other way around, I want to start hanging out with some older people, older people more mature people, and connect. So it's organic, not that I've got to, you know, we've got to start fully structuring this thing. The third thing, activate discipleship. I love that word. You know, I don't think the church does this as all well. Because I, I truly believe that Jesus came down and modelled for us an environment that when I look around today, it was interesting, I had a conversation with a guy at Church Unlimited, which is Tark's church, and I said, he heads up life groups, I said, out of 4,000 people, how many life groups, how many discipleship function groups do you have? He said about 40. Yeah, we have 30 and we have about 400, 500. I don't think the church has caught the revelation of what Jesus actually came to model. Because on a whole, most people aren't in an environment where we contend for truth together. We are building transparent, honest relationships together, loving each other and laying our lives down for one another where we come and we pray together and where we break bread together. And if you look at the life of Christ, it's not just, it was, I don't believe it was just a good idea. I think he's trying to show, look, this is how you do, this is a key function part of how I modelled something with these men. And when I look at him, he had one-on-one with his father. He had a one-on-three, a one-on-twelve and a one-on-seventy-two. And I truly believe that as his followers we are to be in all those environments. You can maybe join the one and the twelve and the three together. But we are to be one on one with him, one in the community of eight, ten, whatever, and then in a body of Christ, a seventy two, a five hundred or whatever that looks like a ten thousand. And so we just want to push this and urge this and pray into this more and more that my my heart, my goal is to see every single person be in that environment where we're walking, contending, iron sharpens iron, different gifts are being released into an environment where you have someone with a prophetic gift speaking, you have someone with a hospitality gift, you have someone with all these different gifts and we do it together. Create an equipping vehicle which produces disciples who disciple and this is the, at the moment we started our first meeting with about seven people just looking at the, the vehicle that will um, just sort of be in place uh, instead of NLI here, with a focus around raising up people that can do those things. Heal the sick, raise the dead, know who they are, actually be able to do it and step out in faith and do it. Um, And I put vehicles because what we're looking at doing is maybe creating, I don't know how long it's going to be, six months, nine months, I'm not sure, and then taking elements of it and having other vehicles. So if you want to learn about evangelism, and learn how to evangelize, you can take the segment from there and just do it as a six-week thing. If you want to learn about prophecy, you can take that out of there and do it as an eight-week thing or a six-week thing. And so there'll be a multiple vehicles to equip people with. We're looking at doing a strategic review of life group system to evaluate their purpose. What, what do we want the life group to become as we go forward and how does it fit into the overarching sense of the rock? And then what we're doing is having these leadership equipping nights where we equip leaders come together. And this will be a blend of stuff I'm talking about tonight, but also ministry, where we actually minister to one another, pray for one another, we're sick, lay hands on each other, release grace gifts over each other. 
Okay? So activate discipleship. The most powerful thing that God has given us. Fourth thing, outreach to our community. What did Jesus say? I've come to seek and save, which was lost. So we're looking at setting up a six-week evangelism equipping course, which will run throughout the year, equipping people how to preach the gospel. You know, Tim and Sharon do an amazing work with their team down on Friday nights. And if you want to get out there, go see Tim and say, look, I want to come with you. Let's get involved in this thing. Um, press pause services, as you know, we do five of those a year. So those are uh, services, if you're not sure, for bringing someone. We just had one the other week. And I just want to apologise, actually, while we're here from the last one we had with Dave Heenan at Sunday night. Um, I'm not sure why he did what he did, but he, he decided to preach another message. So um, we've talked about that. And, um, yeah, so I wasn't too impressed with that. So I just want to apologise because that's, that, I can appreciate that dented, you know, maybe a little bit of reputation because if we brought someone to listen about heaven and then we got what we got, it was a bit disappointing. And so um, sorry about that. That wasn't, certainly wasn't the intent. But... Um, <clears throat> We want to go hard out with those services and just create environments where we can bring these people. Have a go outreach month, what Jeremy and Melissa are doing out in Petone. It's fantastic. You know, we're getting about 60, 50, 60 families there at a time. There's now another, a, a child that's now been, is coming to rock from it, from just the stewards that have connected with that family and serving that family. Um, have outreach vehicles four times a year where we just put on a vehicle. Um, and there are going to be things like the, the $10 giveaway at Easter, which is coming up, which I mentioned, cultural dinners. Petoni's got talent, which Kirk's going to head up. And we're looking at doing something with the Rugby World Cup. Cha- you know, the Rugby World Cup. Let's create something here. Um, and then the Life Group Reaching Out Challenge. You know, let's get, like we did a few years ago, get Life Groups to think about how they're going to reach out to their community. So these are just, this is, this is a vehicle, but underpinning all this is really that we as individuals are taking responsibility to fulfil what I talked about out of Matthew 10. We're empowered to actually be preaching the gospel. We're empowered. So we want to help. But what, we're, what I'm really looking for is that innate, organic, we're all taking responsibility and living out this thing. Yeah? And then the last one is develop our Cambodia relationship, which we're doing. And so we're going this year. We'll have, we'll have probably have trips every year, training their leaders and serving the areas of need. Um, I've had a chat with Sinai and there's now about eight children that he's asked if we would sponsor so I'll be presenting that need soon. So there's an in-funding uh, building work which is required new schools as we just develop that, that relationship. And so those really are the five areas that, um, that, we, that underpin 2011 and as we go forward. But as I've said clearly before, you know, it's really I guess about finding that passion, that purpose understanding that it's on me. I am the plan. I am the hope. God wants to use me to bring this reality. And so really we're building organic, innate, power-filled, if you want to call that, disciples of Christ that are bringing his reality to earth in every sphere, equipped to be able to do what God's called us to do. Um, what I want to do is really just pray and just in your groups just pray and have a think about maybe the areas that I've touched on purpose, plan 
um, passion where am I at and get other family members to pray for you you might want to pray into these things you, your heart might be jumping out at starting a life group it might be jumping out at going to Cambodia you might be having I can do this I can do that I want to be involved in here share that with the group and then get the group to pray for you and as a family let's just pray and ask God to move you know God says if you ask if you seek and if you knock and I'll just read these words to you which I captured the other day as I was listening to this guy preach and it's in Matthew 7, 7 it says here how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good how much more not just enough how much more to those who have the faith to ask and believe for an abundance to be released so ask how much more is that cool Lord we just thank you for tonight I pray Lord what's been shared we capture in our hearts Lord that we are building a people who are the church who can function as the church who believe in you God and who they are in you sons and daughters that can lay hands on sick people and see them healed Father who can raise people from the dead who can lay hands on blind eyes and see them to have those that are struggling Lord with with bondage and, and chains and to bring a prophetic word a living word because we can hear you clearly we can we're perceiving with our five senses a church that knows the gospel message Father and that can preach and proclaim and just with respect and love bring forth the reason why we believe in this incredible purpose and see our nation, our city, our neighbourhoods our workplaces change for the glory of God. Father the problem is massive but you're asking us to change one person at a time. You're asking do what you can with what you have and I will be behind you and through you and you will see incredible things through me. And so Lord tonight as we pray, as we seek you, I pray you would release your favour. I pray that Lord as we, we petition for things, I pray you would hear Hear the heart cry and respond with an incredible outpouring of resource in every area, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, God.